Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to today's program here on New Southern Garden. As always, I'm glad you've decided to join us. I mean, golly, what a strange week. I think we only saw the sunshine for maybe a few hours. <laughs> we have had plenty of rain. We've had plenty of gray skies, and that, that, is, that is winter. That is winter here in the South. You know, we get a lot of rain. We get a lot of rain compared to other parts of the world. Not as much as others. But I was thinking about it this week. We tend to get a lot of our rain in the winter. It's like our wet season. And unfortunately, unfortunately, we get all this rain in the winter when our plants don't necessarily need any extra. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just get this rain maybe in the middle of July or fourth week of August. (laughs) We really did need a lot of rain September, October of this year, and we're getting it. We're getting it. So today I thought we'd sort of brighten our spirits. We've been in the under cloud coverage. We've been under the weather, if you will. Not sick. Just literally under clouds and rain. I thought we'd maybe brighten things up a bit by talking about some spring, summer blooming plants, getting us excited for next season. I'm going to talk about some perennials today. We, I look back at my show notes and I realized that we talked a lot about trees lately. And, you know, trees are great. They're wonderful. We need them. You can find all those episodes, uh, those programs online at NewSouthernGarden.com. If if you're looking to plant trees, I'll give you some tips, some special considerations, if you will. But I think it is time for us to think more, to think more about some perennials, because perennials are those plants that come back year after year. And now is still a good time to plant most perennials. I know it's cold outside, it's been rainy, on and off, whatever. But even though it gets chilly, and it looks like we're going to be, ooh, at the end of next week, near in the 30s, down in the 30s for a while, I, we'll see if that comes true. But, you know, you can still bundle up as you get started. And I think that as you get working, planting, digging holes, softening soil, cur- cultivating cultivating the earth, I think that you're going to find that you start shedding off those layers because, you know, it's good exercise. Gardening, particularly over winter when we want to stay inside, it is good exercise. And so just know that if you want to have a great perennial garden, a pollinator garden, uh, if you need to add some blooming plants to your trees and shrubs and, and, and other things, 
Well, you can do so now with so many more benefits. These plants will get rooted in. They're not actively growing, so they don't need a lot of water, even though they're going to get it. They don't need a, uh, uh, a whole bunch of fertilizer. You just got to mulch them, put them to bed, if you will, for the winter. They're, they'll be hibernating and growing all along. So really not, uh, not a big deal. Um, not a lot to do, just the work just the digging. And uh, so I'm going to talk about some great perennials that happen to be on sale at the nursery. Of course, you can find me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia throughout the week. And we've got some great sales running, so be sure to check us out online at LanierNurseryGardens.com. But I'm going to talk about perennials uh, that are going to be either wonderful pollinator plants. We're going to talk about some ground covers. Uh, Some of these are evergreen which means, of course, you'll have some foliage all uh, all year long. And they do come with the benefit. Many of these are blooming perennials. So if you're looking to add some butterfly, honeybee activity in your landscape, go ahead and start thinking about it now. Start thinking, especially while, you know, a lot of nurseries and garden centers, they are probably putting plants on sale, just like we are at Lanier Nursery and Gardens. And, you know, you can get a good deal. You can get a good deal at the right time to plant, at the best time. Not really the right time, but the best time. The right time is any time, as long as you can maintain it for that season, right? But uh, if you want to get your plants going, growing, and get them established, then going into the nurseries, into the garden centers now, looking at what is available, looking at what's cheap, uh, building your spring plans over winter, it's It's not just good for the landscape, but it's good for you. And it's good for you because you're going to get some inspiration and ideas. You're going to get excited. There is this real disease. I think it's a real disease. And it happens to almost all of us by the time we get to the end of winter or sometime February, March. And this disease infects so many people that whenever we get... A few nice warm days, 60 and 70 degrees, and the sun is shining, the gray clouds of winter are passing. We get this disease called spring fever. Spring fever. Now, the symptoms for that are some craziness, right? We think we have to rush out on those, uh, say, say, a week in February when the weather is nice. We get crazy and think we need to rush and rush to the store to buy or to the nurseries to buy a bunch of plants, tomato plants, begonias, uh, petunias. Folks, it's too cold still in February to do that. But you can be getting excited about planting perennials. In addition to trees and shrubs, many perennials, most perennials, I would say, it is a wonderful time to get them in the ground so they root in faster and they'll be more better, they'll be better prepared for the win- for the spring and summer heat and potential drought, etc., etc. So, let me get you excited about spring, even though we are several, several weeks away from it, because you can go ahead and uh, think about some of these perennials, see if they'll work in your landscape, see if you like them, see if you like the idea of them. And then, of course, what you can do is uh, you can start planting and get you ready. Get those beds ready while there aren't so many weeds, while it's not so hot, while it can be a little too cold, Uh, but you can always put on a jacket. And then, like I said, by the time you get digging, you'll be wanting to take those layers off. So let's talk about some ground covers. Now, of course, ground covers are those plants that we intend to go a little crazy, right? When we're trying to use plant material to cover the ground, to make a nice thick blanket, uh, maybe it's a, a 
around an area that's not very important um, and you just need some coverage, something that looks nice, but you don't want grass, of course, turf grass, lawns, that is a kind of ground cover, not one that I support and definitely not one that I sell uh, at the nursery. But um, when you're talking about ornamental plants, there are, there are more benefits to it than a lawn. You don't have to mow them every week through the summer. You don't have to feed them as much. Some of them can grow very well in the shade. Some can grow very well in the sun, where grass tends to only like sun. And let's see, uh, the other thing was that some of them can grow in sun and shade. So in those weird areas where you've got part sun, part shade, some of these ground covers will work for you. And in those weird areas where... Uh, say under some trees and, and then out to the left of that there's no trees and you want a continuous row of a flush of something well some of these can grow well under the trees and then of course others can grow in the open sun so ground covers are very versatile in the landscape they're very functional and they're also extremely beautiful sometimes you just want a simple kind of blanket uh, underneath some magnificent specimen tree or uh, maybe under a, a group of blooming shrubs like hydrangeas. You don't want anything to compete for attention. You just want something to fill space and ground covers do that. Some ground covers are more aggressive than others. Uh, you got to be careful with ground covers because of course plants like English ivy are now considered an invasive species. English ivy has some characteristics that it can crawl across the ground. It can add uh, stems to its root system, so it's popping up all over the place, moving rapidly. And then, of course, it has these features on a stem, uh, like little roots, aerial roots. We call them holdfast, but they, they bore into trees and into bark or onto uh, masonry, <laughs> and they can climb. And so certain plants we would stay very far away from, but I have uh, essentially three here today we want to talk about that are going to give you some really good color, uh, some really good texture, but also be safe. Safe from running to places it does not belong. Let's talk about the first one, Creeping Jenny. Now, when I say Creeping Jenny, and you, if you know Creeping Jenny, you're probably thinking, well, that one goes everywhere. And yes, Creeping Jenny is a very fast-moving ground cover. And in some spaces, you need that. Now, Creeping Jenny is this very low plant, probably getting no taller than three inches. As it uh, grows, its, its, its stems just sort of pile up on top of itself. But you can always trim that back and start it over uh, maybe once every few years. Um, but along these horizontal stems it has, it's got these very circular leaves, button-like. And the particular Creeping Jenny uh, we have at the nursery or that you probably will find at most garden centers is uh, going to be one called Aria. And aria means uh, very light, very bright, and it is colorful. It has some very chartreuse, which is a lime green to yellow. Now, in the shade, this Creeping Jenny aria is going to be towards the lime green. It's not going to be a dark green. It's going to be a very bright green. But the more sun that this Creeping Jenny gets, the brighter and brighter those little button, almost perfectly round leaves become. So it does have a unique character, uh, unique texture, but the color 
on this Creeping Jenny aria is very incredible. Now, yes, Creeping Jenny moves, and she's got an appropriate name. Creeping Jenny, she does just that. But the reality is, is if you've got a bank that you need to uh, cover the ground, hold the soil so it doesn't wash away, et cetera, et cetera, then you should consider Creeping Jenny because she will fill that bank in almost no time. At the nursery, we planted just a few plants on the slope uh, that faces the parking lot, and there's nothing else we really wanted to do. We wanted some low plants so we can see the parking lot. And that Creeping Jenny, in the course of... Two and a half years, maybe. And there was a year, there was a year, maybe three years, but there was a year where it uh, got covered in mulch uh, by some volunteers, but I don't hold grudges on that because she rebounded. She pushed right through the mulch and is almost completely covered the areas we intended. So Creeping Jenny, yes, she is aggressive. She's not invasive, but she can move into places that you maybe didn't want. So keep a check on her. She roots very quickly. If you have one Creeping Jenny plant, you probably have found out that you don't need uh, anymore. <laughs> you can make your own plants with some simple cuttings, uh, propagate them in the springtime when they're first flushing out, and within days, you will have brand new plants from those cuttings. So Check out Creeping Jenny. She is very bright yellow, very colorful. Now, the next plant that we like it also has a name Creeping in it, Creeping Raspberry. Now, Creeping Raspberry really has very little to do with uh, edible raspberries. Okay, they, they are in the raspberry group of plants. They can flower, and I've seen them flower uh, fairly regularly. They're not a, a super showy flower, just a little white rose-like flower. And they can produce a fruit, but again, it's not, not necessarily edible. When you look at it, you think, that's not a raspberry. <laughs> but regardless, the creeping raspberry is grown because of its foliage. Now, its foliage is deciduous. So the plant is deciduous, which means that it does drop its leaves. It's not an evergreen like Creeping Jenny. Creeping Jenny is evergreen, semi-evergreen, keeping most of her leaves all year long. But the Creeping Raspberry has these um, sort of ruffled-like and, and very bubbly. I don't know of any other way to describe it. Uh, the leaves are thick. They're almost leathery-like, but they're not shiny. They're dull, and they are a rich green. Uh, the new growth is very lime green, and it looks really cool. Uh, but the main feature, the main feature of this creeping raspberry is that after summer is over and fall is approaching, those beautiful green leaves start to turn all shades of fall. Orange, red, yellow, you name it, it's on the Creeping Raspberry. Folks, we've got to take a quick break, but when we get back, more perennials to inspire you to get planting for spring. Do it now. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our contact us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. 
So gang, we took a poll here at the studio and we decided that it's finally time to crack out some Christmas tunes to inspire you for the upcoming holiday just a few days away. 14, well, 15 days away. I always think of Christmas Eve as starting, starting the Christmas season. <laughs> so 14, 15 days away, we will be welcoming that jolly old chubby guy into our homes and giving us wonderful presents. But really, today I wanted to inspire you, not just for Christmas, but to inspire you for spring. Of course, spring's a little further away. But that doesn't mean that we can't do things now to make our landscapes look so much better when spring does come. You know, there's an old saying, I believe it was Benjamin Franklin, an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. And I would say it's similar in this situation. If we are anticipating our gardens for spring, doing something about it now, it is so much better and waiting to the last minute, trying to cram this in, cram that in, water this, water that. Did that dry out? What are those brown leaves? You know, there's also kind of concerns, so many concerns when we plant in the spring and summer. But your plants can get established if you get going right now. So before the break, we were talking about some perennials. Some of my favorite perennials, these perennials happen to be on sale. Uh, for a limited time at Linear Nursery and Gardens, where you can find me throughout the week in Flowery Branch, Georgia. But the reality is, is that I've picked some of these favorite ones of mine and sharing them with you to give you some ideas for those, you know, that weird area around back, that strange area that you don't know what to do with. Why not think of perennials? These are plants that come back year after year. They take essentially very little effort if you plant them well, give them a place to live, they will be happy. And they, the beautiful thing about perennials, they will be there next year. You don't have to replant them year after year. So, before the break, we were talking about some ground covers, perennial ground covers. Plants that stretch their stems and their roots across the earth or under the soil, popping up, filling in broad areas. If you have a stepping stone pathway and you want something uh, sort of hanging out there, a long winding in between the stepping stones, then ground covers are for you. So we were talking about creeping raspberry. And I mentioned that uh, creeping jenny is very short, maybe three inches tall. Well, compared to creeping jenny, creeping raspberry with its beautiful dark green leaves, bright new green foliage, and then awesome fall color. Its height is a bit chunkier. She's more of a six to eight inch tall girl over several years. But just like with Creeping Jenny, you can essentially mow Creeping Raspberry down. Most of your ground covers, you can do this every few years. Mow them to the ground, start them over. If you've noticed a lot of dead wood and whatnot underneath your ground cover area, just chop it down. Just mow it. You can literally get the mower, run it on top of it. Uh, you got to do this in late winter, early spring. But if you do it at the right time of year, you will see those plants resurge and recharge. They'll be fresh. They'll be vibrant. They'll be all kind of juvenile growth, and juvenile growth goes crazy. Sometimes it's a good idea to get the older wood out, the older stems out, and let the plants sort of start over. 
We call, call that rejuvenation pruning. And with any of these ground covers we talk about, you can do it every year if you like, uh, but definitely it's not a requirement. You may just think about it every few years. Now, those two plants, Creeping Jenny and Creeping Raspberry, which of course it kind of says it in the name, they do creep. They really spread. And the creeping raspberry we planted just a couple of years ago at the nursery has already filled this slope, this bank that we were hoping to do. Uh, and it did it very quickly. But if you're looking for ground cover, plants that stay low, plants that don't get very tall, plants that come back year after year, then, but you say, well, I don't need it moving everywhere. I don't have a big area. I just have a small pocket. You may think of ground covers that clump. And of course, some that come to mind are liriope, the clumping style liriope. Some people call it monkey grass, yes. Um, but there are several different groups of plants that just hang out in little clusters. And so you can space them closer than you would the creepers, and they can fill out nicely and very quickly. But one of the most attractive, I think, um, in this group is one we call variegated acorus. What a terrible name. So a chorus is a group of plants, a strange group of plants that looks like a grass. And you and I, we'd probably call it a grass if we just, just saw it from a distance. So they have very great fine texture. The leaves are thin, they're strap-like, they point straight up in the air, and then um, as they get taller, they sort of weep over a bit. So it does have this great textural component. These acoruses Chorusi, I don't know how to say it, the plural of a chorus, but anyhow, these are chorus, they can sit right beside something big and broad leaf, like hydrangeas and gardenias. They can make a skirt underneath these big uh, leaf shrubs and give them some extra contrast. Because you've got the small leaves of the chorus and the big leaves of the hydrangea. Now, the thing about variegated a chorus. Of course, I got these thin, upright leaves, no stems. They all come out from the center of the plant. All the leaves come out from the center. But every leaf has these stripes, striations of dark green, lime green, maybe a touch of yellow, but nearly a pure white. And it's, it's odd to find a good variegated plant with white foliage. But this variegated a chorus is a winner. And she really shows off. I think she is underused, underprivileged, because she's not used enough, and overlooked. That's just the sad facts, the reality. Not every plant that exists makes it to our gardens, and some more than others. Uh, most people are more familiar with Creeping Jenny. She's well used. But this variegated acorus has a wonderful texture. They don't run and go crazy. They just sort of clump out from the center. So a slower moving ground cover, you may get up to eight, ten, uh, sorry, about eight to uh, doubt 10 inches, but eight, 10 inches tall of just thin feathery like grass foliage. And again, just like with the other ground covers we talked about, if you have a situation where you need to trim it back, just take out your shears, uh, scissors, really, your kitchen scissors, your, your, your uh, office scissors. They'll do the job for this because it's very delicate leaves, very herbaceous, very green. And late winter, early spring, you can cut back any brown foliage that didn't make it over winter, give them a refresh, give them some fertilizer, and throughout spring, 
you will have brand new, bright, vibrant, beautiful, white, green striped foliage once again. So, you know, sometimes ground covers seem a bit intimidating because with ground covers, we think it's going to be a nightmare. We think that our ground covers are going to grow through the pansies, grow through the petunias. Then they're going to start growing up the side of the house and through the bushes and into the windows and all over the dining room table. And they don't really do that. But of course, you can control any of these ground covers that we've talked about. Um, And None of them are an invasive species. Invasive species uh, have other features that, of course, would make them nearly impossible to control, like kudzu and bamboo, and, of course, that other thing that lives out in the woods, English ivy. All of those plants used to be around a house in a garden, and they've escaped. But uh, very rarely are these going to be escaping. So again, if you are looking to grow some plants very low to the ground, if you've got a space that doesn't require tall and bushy and upright, then you may consider these ground covers that we've talked about. Of course, the bright green chartreuse color of that wonderful creeping jenny. Just make sure you don't let her go too crazy. And then, of course, if you've got a particularly a sunny area uh, for creeping raspberry, that would definitely appreciate some bright sun. And lastly, sun or shade, the acorus, the variegated acorus. Some people call it sweet flag. Uh, that's another common name. But regardless, these are perennials. They come back year after year, and two out of three are evergreen. What more could you ask for? Well, when we get back, we're going to actually talk about some blooming upright perennials, some you know all about, but I want to tell you why they are wonderful plants for your southern garden. Hang on tight, gang. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, welcome back to New Southern Garden. If you're just joining us for this uh, program today, you've already missed half of it. We're into the second half of today's show, and you need to catch up. And in a few short hours, you will be able to find this episode in its entirety on our website, our show website, at NewSouthernGarden.com. So be a deer and check us out online. Because you will not only find today's program, but you will find every episode of New Southern Garden that we've ever had. So if you're new to gardening and you need to learn something, or maybe you feel like your thumb is not very green, but some shade of (laughs) green-brown, well, we'll be glad to assist you and help you out. And of course, while you're on the website... Go to the Contact Us page, and you can send us a question. If you haven't had such good success, you can send us a question there. You can send us a question on Facebook and Instagram, because at the end of the month, unless we have a special Christmas episode, because that'll be Christmas Eve, right? But uh, (laughs) to be determined, uh, we'll probably be answering your questions. If not, 
at the end of the month, at the beginning of the next. We want to make sure that this program is here to inspire you, give you ideas, educate you, but of course, help you specifically in your garden, in your own space. And I almost guarantee, just like uh, your high school teacher said, there is no such thing as a dumb question. As a matter of fact, if you ask a question, most likely the guy sitting beside you also has the same question. So, before the break, we were talking about perennial plants. Some wonderful perennial plants. We're talking about some. We've got a great, a couple of great sales going on at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, but uh, that's beside the point. We need to think about planting perennials, not just in spring, not just through summer, but particularly over winter. And that's because the ground temperature stays warm so roots can still grow. So a new plant just getting out of a pot, getting put into the ground, is going to be able to tap into uh, uh, new soil, uh, find nutrition, find water, of course, develop a root system over the next several months, even before spring gets here. And so by the time spring does get here, those plants' roots have doubled, maybe tripled, who knows? So the ground is warm, the air temperature is cool, the plants are dormant, they don't have a lot of stress, essentially none, because a dormant plant is nothing more than a sleeping plant. We've got to keep that in mind, that your plants are sleeping. They're not needing a lot of nutrition. They're not needing a lot of water. Uh, The list goes on and on. So be sure to be planting Uh, your perennials, shrubs, trees right now. So before the break, we talked about ground covers, wrap that up. But I do want to talk about a group of plants that I think are the celebrity of pollinator gardens. They're wonderful plants. And pretty much everybody can identify them now because they're in high demand. People know what they are. They are gorgeous There's a lot of reasons why you'd be growing this. But of course, I'm talking about the coneflower. Coneflowers are native plants. Uh, The botanical name, of course, is echinacea. And if you are a person who who shops at the health food store, you know that echinacea is also uh, in capsules for... um, Certain, I don't know how you use it, dietary supplements. I don't know what the benefits are. I'm not a medicinal plant guy. I just know how to grow them and make them look good, but uh, make them pretty, you know. But uh, echinacea has a lot of benefits, not just in the garden, but can also, apparently, have some uh, for your personal body. So there's really no reason not to grow them because in addition to the garden loving them, uh, health benefits, there's also the benefit of pollination, getting food for plant pollinators. Now, of course, the echinacea, the coneflowers, their flower is really giving nectar and pollen for adult butterflies, adult uh, honeybees, and et cetera, et cetera. So this is echinacea, oh, to my knowledge, is, is not, not well known to be a host plant. So host plants are critical in a pollinator garden because a host plant is essentially a plant that um, butterflies, uh, other insects, may lay their eggs on. Then the eggs, when they open uh, and the larvae come out, (laughs) the larvae will consume some part of the plant, usually foliage, maybe stems too. Uh, But then those baby larvae are using the leaves of that plant to develop into an adult 
So we've got to think about not just feeding the adults, but also feeding the babies if you're growing a pollinator garden. Uh, One of the most critical things, though, about echinacea or coneflower is that it is a wonderful food source for the adults. And that's critical. Don't get me wrong. It's very critical. But don't forget about the children. Don't forget about the children. Feed the babies. So echinacea, of course, um, has a very strong center disc. And usually it's some shade of uh, black to brown to yellow to sort of green. There's a lot of variation uh, with the center disc. It it essentially is a daisy-like flower. Uh, Any plant that has a set of disc flowers in the middle and then ray flowers, which are what we would call the petals, that is essentially a a daisy plant. And uh, it does look daisy-like, but the cool thing about coneflower is that the petals, we'll call them petals, the ray flowers, they tend to point downwards while the center disc flowers shoot up into the air. And so you sort of have this, uh, to me, it looks like a, a badminton. You know, you've got the, I, don't, I do not know anything about badminton. I'm probably going to call all of these things by the wrong name. But you have the center knob, right, the little ball part that you hit with your racket. And then what comes out behind it uh, looks like feathers, right? So it almost looks like a little badminton. Now, sometimes certain varieties of coneflowers have more angled uh, petals that point downwards, and some are more uh, horizontal. So there's a range. And we are going to talk about three different varieties of coneflowers today, uh, and you will see the kind of range of color that you can get from these babies. Now, the foliage of all coneflowers is very basal. Most of the foliage comes directly out of the ground from the root system. And then it's, it's only, and that foliage may get up to 18 inches tall, uh, very healthy, uh, mature plants, maybe a little taller than that. But, but there's no real stems until the plant gets ready to flower. And boy, can coneflower bloom for a long time. So when the plant starts to get starts to flower uh, from the center of the plant down deep at the soil level root level you'll start to see a flower head popping up and day after day week after week it'll grow and it'll push up to the uh, sky and then of course you've got a stalk that the flower blooms on now usually there's one maybe two or three flowers per stalk but they will at they will raise maybe up to 24 inches tall some of the old-fashioned ones maybe 36 inches some can be very tall but these modern varieties we're going to talk about are actually uh, quite dwarf, only getting 8 or 10, maybe 24 inches tall. So with all that in mind, once it has raised up into the air, the petals start unfurling, everything starts showing out, and you've got a beautiful display, a beautiful show with coneflower. Now, let's talk about some of these varieties. So there are two in a series called powwow. There is a powwow uh, berry, what do they call it? Uh, it's not just berry. I, I, I just call it berry, but it's got wild berry. Powwow wild berry, and then powwow white. So the white is probably ex- ex- self-explanatory. The powwow white has a white petal, whereas the powwow wild berry is sort of purple, but sort of pink. It's a really good shade somewhere in between. Very hot color uh, and very attractive. And both of these only get uh, maybe, with their flower spikes, 18 to 24 inches tall. They are more compact, one of the most compacted and readily available 
cone flowers that you could use in your landscape and gardens. Again, seed-grown cone flowers. If you were to buy some cone flower seeds from an online source like BakerCreekSeeds.com or JohnnySeeds.com, if you were to do that and grow them out, you would probably get a variety of sizes. But the powwows are essentially dwarves. And only getting 24 inches tall, it is pretty nice and compact for a coneflower. So we've got those two colors going for us. The white, very, uh, not a brilliant white, but a bright white. And then, of course, the wild berry, which of, which has that sort of purpley pink color. Then, of course, uh, one of probably my favorites, I don't know if I have a favorite, but one of my most favorites is called Cheyenne Spirit Coneflower. Now, Cheyenne Spirit is a not a single strain. This is a strange thing because most of the time in the plant nursery, we sell, say, the purple coneflower. Then we sell the white coneflower or we sell the red rose and then we sell a coral rose. But in this group of plants, this Cheyenne Spirit, it really is a group of plants because it is a mix. You know how when you buy seeds, you can buy seeds as a mixed varieties, mixed colors? That's essentially what it is, but they call that mix Cheyenne Spirit. So within Cheyenne Spirit, you can have some coneflowers that are rich red, a coral, an orange. Uh, let's see, what have I seen before? Oh, of course, there's white and there's purple and sort of a, a corally pink and nearly pink. So there's about maybe five to seven colors. Yellow. Yellow's another one. I forgot that. But uh, within Cheyenne Spirit, when you're buying a Cheyenne Spirit, you don't really know the color unless it's blooming. But what you do know is that when you have more than one plant or you purchase more than one pot of the Cheyenne Spirits, you're most likely going to have a mixed color. Which is gorgeous. It's great. You, I don't know. I'm probably not explaining it that well, but yeah, definitely Google or look up or go to the website uh, LanierNurseryGardens.com where we got all the details for for the plants we've got on sale. But regardless, um, that Cheyenne Spirit is really going to show up. You got some really bright, hot colors. I mean, there's no blues. There's nearly a nearly purple in there, but the purple tends to push towards that corally color. Anyhow, so today I wanted to tell you about these three particular coneflowers, the Pow Wow Wild Berry. Golly, these names these days are a mouthful. Pow Wow White as well. That one is, is wonderful. And then the Cheyenne Spirit Coneflower. Now, we do have to come to grips with some realities about echinacea in general or the coneflowers. We've got to come to this understanding that coneflowers, they are perennial, don't get me wrong, but they are indeed a short-lived perennial. They are not going to last uh, multiple sets of years. They're going to last, three is a good term, five is a very long time with one particular coneflower. But remember, one thing that coneflowers do love to do is they love, they absolutely love to reseed. So if you allow at the end of summer, pushing into fall, allow the seeds to fall to the ground or collect those seeds and store them over winter, actually, I would go ahead and plant them in the fall because they need fall temperatures to uh, start germinating. But regardless, 
you can have your own new plants. So yes, an individual plant may be short-lived, but you can surely extend that year after year by simply collecting seed and growing some of your own. Or of course, you can go find more at the, uh, the nurseries. But coneflower is a wonderful plant. Don't let it get too wet. Don't let it stay soggy. We want to have it in some rich soil, fertilized well, but we don't want, particularly over winter, for it to be in a boggy area, so well-drained. But coneflower, wonderful pollinator, and of course, it is a plant that will get you excited about spring that is almost around the corner. Hang on tight, gang. More plants after this quick break. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Well, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking more about spring than winter. I've gone on and on this past winter or fall slash winter. We've talked about trees. We've talked about planting trees. And it's a great time to plant trees and and, and to plant shrubs. But I don't want you to forget to also think about planting some perennials because they, too, can benefit from the same situation as trees and shrubs. And also, we've had a rough week here in the northeast Georgia part of the nation. (laughs) I say rough week. It's just been wet. It's been raining and cloudy and gloomy. And this is this week is kind of that classic picture of our southern winters. They're just not exciting, right? We get a lot of days like like we've had this week. So let's get excited about brighter days. Let's get excited about drier days. And let's consider planting perennials. Uh, of course, uh, today we've already talked about some ground covers, creeping jenny, creeping raspberry variegated acorus and before the break we were talking about coneflowers i think she's the celebrity of the pollinator garden it's a plant we know very well usually as gardeners and non-gardeners alike as a matter of fact if you support the wildlife uh foundation here in the state i think that's what it's called uh, by giving a donation when you are purchasing your uh, car tag the flower or historically the flower, I don't know if they've changed it recently, but the flower that they put on the tag to show that you support wildlife is a cone flower. It's an indigenous plant here to the southeast uh, and our state, uh, Georgia. Uh, It runs, there's different species, there's different varieties, and they've been hybridizing them, they've been breeding them, they've been doing all kinds of things with them so that um, they can uh, get some strange color combinations, some strange flower forms and whatnot. But regardless... Those plants are, coneflowers in general, they're just classic. They're, they're easy to grow. They are short-lived perennials, so they don't live forever. 
but you got to keep some of these things in mind. Don't get disappointed if you have a coneflower in your garden that lives two years, maybe five years, and then just disappears. Maybe after a particularly cold and wet winter, you realize in spring following that, where did my coneflower go? They do that, but they do produce copious amounts of seed. And you can always reseed and grow your own year after year. Or just sprinkle them on a bare patch of soil that you've softened a bit. Do that in the fall. Let those seeds get weather beaten over winter because they need cool temperatures before spring in order to start that process of germination. So coneflowers are wonderful. Now, the last couple of plants I'd like to talk about are uh, is actually, well, here's one that's actually an herb. An herb, and we've talked about this in the past. Um, but rosemary, um, it's rosemary is actually a sub shrub, and so it does get a bit woody. But it also has a very luscious, herbaceous green growth most of the year, which, of course, that's when if you're using rosemary for culinary purposes, you're going to want to harvest it. You're going to want to harvest the rosemary when it is most tender, and plants that are harvested usually look better than plants that are never harvested because rosemary can quickly turn woody uh, can get some some very uh, woody stems down deep leafless stems and it looks scraggly but if you are constantly trimming your rosemary you will have gorgeous looking plants just be sure to fertilize them after you harvest if you're harvesting anything from any plant uh, very heavily whether it's flowers or fruits or leaves uh whatever you're trying, or roots, some people harvest roots, no matter if what you're harvesting from a plant, if you're harvesting things very regularly, then you need to replenish with some fertilizing uh, of some sort. But the two rosemaries that I absolutely love are um, Tuscan Blue Rosemary and another one called Prostrata. Now, Let's start with the Tuscan Blue. Tuscan Blue is that classic rosemary. It has an upright form. It can be anywhere from three to six feet, depending on how big you let it get. It has a wide bottom and a narrow top, so it's very pyramidal, and it give it can be wonderful to trim and shape. Thinking about Christmas around the corner, you can trim and shape Tuscan Blue rosemary throughout the year to actually achieve a cone shape, a pyramid shape, a Christmas tree shape, if you will. It actually is a plant that we use in the lands in the nursery to give us that Christmas tree look. So the biggest takeaway with this Tuscan blue rosemary is that it's tall, it's upright. Now, the prostrata rosemary, which let's just call it trailing rosemary from here on out. It's a better name than prostrata. What prostrata actually means is laying flat on the ground. It's very biblical. You know, you see it all the time in the scriptures uh, where someone lays prostrate before the Lord. And so they're laying out on the ground face down. They're not standing up. That's exactly what trailing rosemary does. It maybe only gets 24 inches tall, but it can get very wide. So where the Tuscan blue gets very tall and fairly narrow, the trailing rosemary will spread left to right, but not go very high. If you have a wall, a tall wall, a short wall, doesn't matter, you can plant this trailing rosemary right on the edge, the top of the wall, and it will spill over. You've got to look at some of those photographs online. Uh, just type in trailing rosemary on wall, and you will see. I should probably post some of these because it is gorgeous. And, of course, that rosemary can give you that touch of southern France or Europe, uh, Spain even, 
uh, Italy, and it gives you that fragrance. All the rosemaries, of course, are very fragrant. They have great amount of essential oil in them, and that's why they're great for cooking for that. You can slap it on a piece of chicken, put it on the grill, and you've got rosemary chicken. Wonderful. But regardless, from the landscape perspective, we've got uh, an upright plant, we have another plant that's very low to the ground. They both bloom sort of a lavender lavender color blossom. If you're not very successful at growing lavender, you can probably grow rosemary. It is easier, not easiest, but it's easier than lavender. And of course, if you don't know how to grow lavender, you can check out our lavender episode from a few weeks ago online at NewSouthernGarden.com. But regardless, it's a great pollinator plant. Those babies are still blooming at the nursery. You can see the rosemary's blossoms uh, until it gets very, very cold. Otherwise, they're blooming kind of on and off throughout summer. One more plant before we uh, head out for the day, of course, uh, is Mexican petunia. I like Mexican petunia. Some people, it's sort of a love-hate plant. You either love it, you hate it. It's very upright, very tall, has these uh, sort of thick, knobby uh, stems. And where the knobs are, we call those the nodes, but a set of leaves come out. And the stems are quite dark, very purple. But the green leaves uh, sort of balance that darkness of the purple. And the blossom. The blossom uh, is a trumpet-like flower. It looks almost just like petunia, which is how these Mexican petunias get their name. The flower looks like a petunia. It points like a trumpet up into the air, and it is a dark purple, uh, sort of a dark lavender, I guess. It's not super, uh, super rich, but it is a nice flower, and Mexican petunia is very easy to grow. They don't take a lot. As a matter of fact, that's why some people hate them is because they grow so well. They clump outwards and sometimes they will reseed and pop up in places you don't want them. So keep a check on it. Uh, pull them out. They're not by any means invasive. They just, like all plants, have seeds. And if a viable seed hits the ground under the right conditions, you got a new plant. And nobody's complaining about new plants, right? Well, gang, today we have talked all about wonderful perennials that can be planted now, maybe should be planted now. Uh, cone flowers, ground covers, rosemary, Mexican petunias. Uh, if you've got any questions, feel free to reach out to us at NewSouthernGarden.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We're getting closer to Christmas. These are also wonderful plants to give to that gardener friend in your family. Well, for New Southern Garden and WRWH, my name's Nathan Wilson, and I hope you stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. 